Today on Octal FM, we're joined by our resident RPG expert, Tony, as we discuss and try to define the genre of JRPGs. Hello and welcome to the episode of Oxl FM. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelado. And today we are joined by our recurring guest, Tony. Welcome back. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, and you're joining us today because we are discussing uh, a, a genre of games that I think is pretty pretty dear to you. And I'd say you're certainly the most experienced of them uh, than, than we are. And that is uh, JRPGs. Yep. Do you want to explain what a JRPG is, Tony? Or is that a well, bit of a question that we're going to take a while answering? <laughs> well, <laughs> it stands for um, Japanese role-playing game. So traditionally made by um, Japanese developers in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Although things that are, well, games that are sort of known as JRPGs are also made out of Japan mm. as well. So generally it's a role-playing game where you take on the role of a character or a group of characters and take them through a story Often there's, well, most of the time there's stats and leveling involved for a Mm. certain battle system for the characters. Um, For example, sort of like you get jobs and specialization. And by jobs, I don't mean like a florist necessarily. Sort of like a role within the battle system or or some form of stats, yeah. Yeah, like sort of magic user or melee, things like that. Um, And traditionally they seem to involve very long-winded stories against some sort of ancient evil or some sort of malicious force um chaos itself that sort of thing what what, what was your uh, your joke about that gel yeah like you're, you're fighting the final boss and then surprise it's not actually the final boss the final bosses yourself like, yeah it's you or it's it's chaos or society's it's, yeah. evil yeah exactly like very like they tend to go very well not all of them i guess but like a lot of them tend to get very metaphysical quite metaphysical yes and you know you know going on a journey of discovery as a <laughs> as an individual usually angsty teenager um, <laughs> but one yeah. of the reasons why i think it's kind of hard to define them is because what we realize while making the notes for the defining a genre episode that we're doing today because we've done a few other of those in the past we've done defining rts's defining mmos was that they don't fit neatly into one package oftentimes like we were like oh these games are really great and this game's really great but they're like well they're kind of the same but they're also pretty different as well at the same time but they still fall quite neatly in the jrpg banner when you sort of understand the broader meaning of the term i guess so instead of talking about specific games that we feel define the jrpg genre we decided to talk about sort of the styles of jrpgs and Mm. then some games that represent those styles yeah unlike some of our other genres that we've talked about which yeah there's always subgenres, right but i think jrpg is such a broad one in comparison to some of the others that we've talked about for sure because at first um, we ended up just talking about the classic style jrpgs mm, things like your final fantasies your dragon quests things like yeah. that but then we were like well does pokemon count um mm. you know <laughs> what what about things like kingdom hearts you know what mm. about monster hunter mm. and we were like well yeah these all sort of count when you look at the way in which we've described 
a JRPG, mm. but they don't fit neatly into the same category as like a Final Fantasy game. And yeah, what right. do we what do we mean by defining the genre? So mm. we're sort of taking a little bit of a change of pace for this style of episode from the previous ones we've done, and talking about the the subgenres that define the JRPG genre as a whole. Yeah, it's kind of like these are games that have defined genre like new genres in yeah. themselves in a way um some of them you know are massive as well and and contain some of the largest best-selling um series of all time mm. right but i think when we first started yeah we definitely originally started talking about like the heyday of 16 bits mm. snes games and i think the main one that really stood out to us right was chrono trigger Mm. and chrono trigger's sort of like real peak snes jrpg kind of thing i mean that was your suggestion right tony yeah um um, it's funny really because i only ever really played chrono trigger when they re-released it on the ds um Mm. because i didn't have it on the snes and back when we had one at home i was quite young and didn't really Mm. understand all these techniques heavy games i was just mm. used to watch my older sister play games like secret of mana and things like that she didn't have chrono trigger but mm. it's just so good mm. <laughs> just really good storytelling i love the time travel mechanic it is sort of thought of as a very um pivotal snes jrpg because mm. i feel like it it takes a lot of things that were at this point already quite well established within the genre because this is the same sort of time as things like was final fantasy 4 at this point i think and you had like the four or fourth or fifth dragon quest game at this point i think earthbound was around this sort of time and there was all that kind of classic style jrpg mechanics were very well established at this point but i feel chrono trigger both took those and kind of perfected them but it also added its own flair on things as well. Like, for example, one of the things that stands out for me about it is the multiple endings. Mm. Oh, in yeah. The, they, they really went all out to make it feel like mm. a full-on experience with this game. Like, mm. really getting you involved with the characters and their backstories. Because the, they really flesh out the world and make it feel very lived in and very real. Which, I mean, isn't uncommon in these games, but is also, I think, is done best in this game in particular. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I did mm-hmm. love the multiple endings. Just adds a lot more depth to the game in general and, and mm. it's just a, a lot less linear. Whereas, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the older Final Fantasies like Final Fantasy IV are generally, you're working towards a specific point. Yeah. Not that that's bad. And I think as the tech also evolved, that made a big difference too, because like the earlier games on things like Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy on the NES were limited by the size of the cartridge and just the ability for the console to kind of portray things on screen that looked like anything other than blocks you know so the with the increase in technology into the super nintendo you were able to have these kind of much grander storytelling experiences with sort of more uh in-depth looks into characters and side quests like for me Although Chrono Trigger, I agree, is definitely like a seminal work. For me, it was all about Final Fantasy VI. Like that was the one for me that I always remember as like a, the classic JRPG of the era because you had wonderful side quests and the characters had interesting backstories and they had a lot of interpersonal drama, uh, you know, very different styles of gameplay with all the ways in which they battled and stuff. And 
I feel like this is sort of still used, like these games are still used today as the way in which to define the classic style JRPG. You know, very turn-based. You've got the stats, as you say. Um, oftentimes you'll have like jobs or roles, and sometimes you can change those up. Like, for example, in Final Fantasy V, you can change their 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 job role to do different things. Um, and all these are still filtering through even to games today, you know, like the yeah. idea of like, having monsters that have certain weaknesses and your party members have sort of like social relationships with each other that you can level up. Mm. So I would say that this is sort of the the classic style of the JRPG. Mm. Although I would say um, the battle system is quite, um, stands out to me as, I mean, Final Fantasy six i'm assuming is turn-based like classically turn-based whereas um chrono trigger is what's called active time battle or atb Mm. um so it kind of feels turn-based in that you select your move but there's a sort of bar filling up and if you're not if you're just stood there not doing anything the enemy also has that bar that's filling up and can just keep hitting you so there is an element of or have to pick this and yeah you're not able to just take your time and you actually have to like actively engage in it which i think is the idea to try and make things a little bit more exciting Mm. whilst also retain the same sort of balance of a turn-based battle system that it gives you yeah and that's it's funny that's like in everything now and even yeah when you think about MMOs and like the way that a lot of or like um, like Western RPGs, like D and D style RPGs, mm. um, things like that, like where they have they're inherently turn based under the hood, but yeah. everything is happening in real time. It has like um, mini cooldowns effects, yeah, almost exactly. like even things like MOBAs and stuff have the same sort yeah. of idea. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's some some elements are real time, like the way in which you move, but then your attacks are all have like small ticks on them, even if it's yeah. like a second. You know, I think like you know thinking about those early eras or like the sort of peak of the early era of JRPGs, you know, one of the things that isn't too sort of varied was the subject matter, right? It was a lot of Mm. like fantasy, um, some sci-fi, I guess you Mm. did have, well, you mentioned it already, right? Earthbound, which sort of was an, uh, I guess an early example of JRPGs kind of branching out from like Mm. um, the kind of traditional sort of style, but like there was definitely a lot of, yeah, a lot of like fant- like Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy, Fantasy Star, like the clue is in the names of all of these. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like there was a lot of that kind of thing. And they, they typically stay there because they can tell the same sort of mm. style of mm. stories and they know that it will always work. Mm. Um, some games that do it a bit differently, though, is in the next genre mm. that we want to talk about, which is sort of the action RPG, JRPG. Mm. So in this instance, I think the game that we used to describe that was Kingdom Hearts, yeah. which doesn't fit into one particular style like it's not really fantasy it's not really sci-fi it's it's sort of its own kind of mesh of fantasy i guess but not like traditional like you know swords and magic fantasy very fantastical which i guess is sort of the point of the the game as a whole in the sense that it's that final fantasy disney mashup it still has the uh you know fighting chaos itself at the end (laughs) Um, sort of traditional final fantasy style plot of kingdom hearts could be its very own episode just discussing how convoluted and confusing mm. oh, it yeah, is you it's have all to, over the place isn't it have to play all those little side games to understand little bits and i mean my recommendation is just to play it for what it is and let yourself be taken along for that ride yeah absolutely <laughs> and i feel like the this is almost another 
genre in itself in that you could almost argue these are just action games or like you know action adventure style games but they still have a lot of that uh, traditional jrpg flair to them they often have like a stat system mm. and they'll sometimes they'll often have like a menu system to choose like attacks or items or magics or yeah. skills or something to go through as well and yeah. all we've used kingdom hearts as the example there's, there's plenty of other games like that that are more real time that require mm. a little bit more um, input from the controller to to do whatever it is you want to do within the battle system or whatever kind of active engagement you're having yeah. with the game so other examples for the tales games for example they're very much like that mm. uh, more recently the xenoblade games xenoblade yeah. like is that. also a great example of being quite far on the traditional jrpg side of things in that it's quite um it's sort of fairly non-linear there's lots of side quests there's lots of character development and you know lots of dialogue and stuff like that like so it's still there's but it's definitely much more action based in the i mean there's almost like platforming in some elements of, of xenoblade right mm. um, there's almost um an element of mmo in there as yeah, well yeah, yeah. um because you can go anywhere pretty much yes right come across some monster that's level 99 and just one shots yeah. you <laughs> yeah uh, and the and you can definitely feel that like traditional mmos t- took from this style of gameplay mm. i mean that's even in the more traditional way of discussing an MMO because they were MMORPGs and very much most of the RPGs of the day that were popular were JRPGs. Mm. So you can see sort of the bleed over from one style of game to another. Mm. Um, And these sort of action RPGs sort of have gone a little bit more action focused over time. For example, one example I really like that you've put down is Astral Chain. Mm. Like that's a great example because it's such a unique and interesting game, but it's still very much rooted in the JRPG genre. Right. There's a lot of stats. There's, you know, there's shops you can buy stuff from, there's Mm. side quests, you know, there's there's a, a sort of party system, but it's definitely like completely action combat um a lot more sort of like very like linear and like not like there's not like one world you can walk around you kind of like get spawned to different places in a mission kind of style which is very not jrpg um but definitely draws a lot of influence from Mm. it and i think one series of games that we definitely should touch on which we feel does fit into this category quite nicely is the souls games you know souls like games yeah you know like Although Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro, all those games are, they're not RPGs really when you think about what we think of as RPGs, but they still have the stats in them. You know, they still have these kind of great overarching plots that have very convoluted sort of backstories to Mm -hmm. them. Um, Most of them are Japanese developed. I know that's not an essential part of it, but I mean, you know, the the influence is still there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it's just worth talking about that jrpg has spawned that i mean now souls is its own genre of games i would say most yeah. people have souls like you know, they say souls born souls like type games you know they are all japanese though i believe because they're all from software yeah yeah and although there I mean, are there now have quite been... a lot of clones um, yeah code vein the... that's like an anime um waifu version <laughs> <laughs> exactly the, the, there's quite a lot of of these style of games now that they have created their own genre so from a you know a subgenre to a subgenre uh, but again i still feel that these are very much rooted in that original jrpg hmm. style it's something to note as well that there's a bit of a thread through not all jrpgs but some is sort of 
the like culture japanese culture influence right um with with some of the souls games and also some of the other games as well in terms of whether it's the stories told or whatever like sometimes they're they're sort of western looking um in terms of their kind of storyline and culture and things like that but a lot of times they are influenced um by japan as well i mean a lot of these games have a very anime style to mm, them yeah um the two go very much hand in hand for the most part in terms of both the culture of in the, the you know the anime slash gaming culture but also the way in which they portray their characters and their stories and their morals and the, yeah all that sort of more fundamental aspect of creating a world and a story and a narrative yeah and i mean something another jrpg sort of subgenre um that definitely has an anime is pokemon right like that sort of <laughs> that sort of monster collection genre mm. of games mm. um it's amazing to think that pokemon is actually like it's the biggest selling i think it's the biggest selling just video game genre of all time but also definitely the biggest selling jrpg jrpg yeah. genre of all time i'm pretty sure it's also the most valuable ip yeah like 100%. in terms of like multimedia franchise 100%. um second to like maybe star wars or something yeah and it's definitely like a it's it's very jrpg light like you know in the sense that well, I guess like you're, you know, the 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 Pokemon have stats, um, mm. but you know, certainly from a story point of view, um, it's very light. Um, yeah, and, and it always has been, even from the very beginning, with uh, with the original Red and Blue. There is sometimes a little bit of chaos itself in Pokemon. You know, some of the legendaries <laughs> sometimes. You know, if you think about like Diamond and Pearl, where it's like, yes, are they like yeah. space and time? Like, they're like there's yeah. a, there's a few bits that are yeah. actually a little bit like Final Fantasy end end game stuff. And I feel like they, they toned that down a little bit in the more recent games. Like, it was almost almost a bit of a curve there. Like, the early games are very simple. Yeah. Like, Red and Blue is... Oh, yeah. I, the, there's, like, the story of Team Rocket, I think, is sort mm. of the underlying story yeah, there, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit more going on with, say, like, um, Gold and Silver, with the legendaries being a little bit more involved. Because, I mean, in the original Red and Blue, or Green and red sorry you know the, the, the only real sort of influence that the legendaries have i suppose was maybe like a mewtwo i guess yeah. but even that was very side story like yeah. you really there was like a few books to read in blaine's laboratory to read about kind of mew and mewtwo and that was it and it was sort of basically banking on the fact that you then watched the anime right. despite the fact that that like, came the afterwards you know All what's films, interesting yeah. about that is that actually reminds me of souls games just the way yeah it's that very original, much in the background yeah, yeah like you just find some lore there and a sort of book and then there's a boss or it's all quite obtuse sometimes but because mm. you don't now. need it to really understand it you if you just don't pay any attention to that and you go and find mm. Mewtwo in the cave and that's it, you're just this big bad monster that you can end up catching. Mm. Cool. But if you want to dive into it a little bit more, it's there. And Pokemon's always been a bit like that. And sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to understand what is actually canon and what is maybe like them just sort of being a bit flippant with their own like world building mm. because like i swear that in some instances they've gone like oh and pokemon used to get married or something like in one of the books you could read in the library or something and oh, it yeah. feels like for a little while it, they didn't kind of keep track of their own canon and what and they were a, adding to that the was game. pokemon marrying humans like they, yeah, they used to look like, like humans they came from space <laughs> yeah i mean that's also present in the some of the Pokedex entries, right? Where some of the Pokedex oh, entries that you're just like, I don't know, like yes. Alakazam causes 
migraines for anyone within a hundred mile radius or something you know just like ridiculous yeah. things that you're yeah, like yeah. this is not a cohesive world like, <laughs> like some fire pokemon's flame is so hot that it could burn through like some silly metal or yeah. something at all times it's like burns people alive by being near it and stuff like okay yeah um so you take all that with a bit of a pinch of salt but anyway we're getting a little bit of time it's a bit just <laughs> but the, the monster on collection genre of games is relatively large larger oh, than yeah. people maybe think as well like some obvious ones, for example, are things like um, Pokemon, things like uh, Digimon, obviously kind of spawned at the same sort of time. Because mm. Digimon was its own thing it's, to some extent, mm. and then they very much followed the Pokemon route after a little while. Yeah, um, so they branched really, didn't they? Because Digimon's yes. actually older than Pokemon, started out as a Tamagotchi. Yes, boy, yeah. boy Tamagotchis. <laughs> yes, yeah, For boys, yeah, yeah. not. Um, <laughs> and then... There was Digimon World, which was like a Tamagotchi type game mm. with some RPG elements, in fact. But then there was, I think, Digimon Dawn and Dusk. So they really right. lent into the Pokemon yeah. sort of feeling there. And it was more of a monster collectathon. And then um, recently you've got Digimon Cyber Sleuth and Digimon Cyber Sleuth Hacker's Memory. Mm-hmm. And they're both more monster collecting. But mm. it's very, it's interesting, really. But um also, lately, um, recently, there's been Monster Sanctuary. I'm not sure if, well, I know Dave has heard of it because I played it. <laughs> mm. um, and that's another monster collector. So it's all still going strong. They're still being made, um, despite Pokemon being pumped out every few years or so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's, there's still, I feel there's still a little bit of room for growth and innovation within the sector, too. Mm. Uh, but I mean, even games like, say, uh, the Persona games and like the sort of Mega Ten section of games also has like a monster collection element with things with collecting and negotiating and fusing with demons, you know? Yeah. Um, and that goes back even to the earliest Mega Ten game with, I think it was Digital Devil Story, is that right? Digital um, Devil, think, Devil Saga? Yeah, yeah. I think oh, we gosh. talked about like, like games of 1987, in fact, actually, to go back <laughs> to that episode. Um, you know, and even there, you're collecting monsters that are a part of your party effectively mm. you know and it's a little bit different to monster collection you're not sort of like collecting them and holding them and kind of filling out like a an encyclopedia of them in the same way but it mm. still has a similar vibe to it and so i feel you like kind even of are though, though sorry to interrupt but you kind of no. are because you feel like your fusion compendium don't you for mm. these like mm. smt like uh shimagami tensei 4 is mm. the one i've played and then obviously yeah. persona but yeah so it's yeah surprisingly similar but it's amazing how much variation there is within even one subgenre of a genre, you know. Um, like we obviously, Pokemon is, is the kind of the go-to for it. But I mean, yeah, there's plenty of different mm. versions of things within that genre. Uh, and the same is also true for another subgenre of the JRPG uh, section of games, which is um, the tactic style games. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, the, the poster child for the tactics games, I would say most people know nowadays would be the Fire Emblem section of games. Um, but there's quite a few variations on tactics, even within that subgenre too. These are my least favourite, my least oh, favourite okay. games. I could just never get on <laughs> with them. I just never can. I never can. But, yeah. I quite like them. Yeah, I, I am very much on Tony's side in this one. I've always been very fond of the tactics games. For, for me, is they are because they're slower paced mm. you can take your time so unlike say for example the action rpgs that we were talking about with things like kingdom hearts and tales and Xenoblade, where they've got that active element where you have to be on the ball of it all the time you can take your time you can think you can plan you can optimize you know mm. yeah i think if you like that action 
um, that is its downfall. But if you like that sort of um, analytical side, mm. and, well, <laughs> tactical element, mm. I guess, mm. um, it's perfect, really. Um, I must say, I've only really ever played um, Fire Emblem. Um, mm. And even those ones, it's Awakening, uh, Fates and Three Houses, mm. whereas you're more into the older ones. I think what it is for me is that I really enjoy the 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 more stat elements, the, the almost the spreadsheetness of some of the older style JRPGs, where you would have just like a whole page of numbers, and you would just have to try and optimize those numbers, and then having that within a turn based tactics game where you have multiple people and your enemies all have the same sort of variation to them, it makes it almost a puzzle game at that point, mm. and. I, I love the combination of the JRPG style of the story and the characters and the, and the narrative style, but with that sort of more slower paced, data driven gameplay, you know, which is why I love games like Fire Emblem, which is a good example of that. But even more so when you look at games like Final Fantasy Tactics, for example, mm. you know, like those games really require you to kind of dig down into the stats of the game. I do actually want to play Final Fantasy Tactics. I missed it. Mm. And, um, yep. I, think I, like I, I started with Final Fantasy Tactics Advance because uh, it was mm. around a similar sort of time as, as the Game Boy Advance Fire Emblem games, which is how I started there too. Um, but I mean, the older one, the original PlayStation 1, yeah, um, you know, is, is, is fantastic in its own right, a bit different. But they 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 take from the JOPG on, like, for example, like in, in the Tactics games, uh, they have like a job change section oh you know, yeah you, so that then takes from a more classic style of like you know when we were talking about um final fantasy 4 and no no when we were talking about like final fantasy 5 and other sort of games where you have your your job change elements where you can sort of change the way in which your characters uh can be used and it encourages customization and doing things the style that you want to do it like yeah, for sure. I I played a little bit of Advance, and I just remember there's the art style, and just I loved mm. the chain, the job changing. Sort mm. of, I, I remember vaguely having a white mage somewhere, obviously, and mm. black mage. Like it's just, it's just interesting, isn't it? And having that story for me, I need the story element as well. Of course, yeah. like it can't just be like a full tactics. And I quite like how in Fire Emblem, maybe not. I don't know about the earlier ones but the sort of dating sim elements they yeah, sort of add sure. with it and it's all just quite a lot of variety they've always been present within jrpgs as a whole that sort of like the way in which the characters often interact and sometimes you even have choices about like you know who pairs up with who be it either in a romantic sense or even just from a, like a friend sense like whose relationships you want to build and the taxes games allow for this as well because you have a lot more characters usually. Like a JRPG will usually have like maybe anywhere from like four to eight people, I think, on average, mm. and you in like a, a team of players that you can, can control. But with tactics games like Fire Emblem, like Final Fantasy, like not so much like Advance Wars, that's a bit different actually. Um, you know, you can have upwards of like 30 plus characters to control. I mean, you go up so far as something like Suikoden, for example, which is like a hundred plus oh, characters yeah. to control. Mm, you know, and as a result, you can really deal, uh, you know, dive deep into the way in which your characters interact and who you want to have, you know, as friends with each other. And, you know, you, you can prioritize the characters you enjoy more uh, as a result. So I think it kind of fits quite naturally to have that more growing social element within those games as well um, mm. and have that sort of like personal, like like you say, almost visual novel style narrative kind of playing out within them. Suikoden is actually a really good shout out. 
Mm. I love those games. It's a little um, bit under the radar for a lot of people. Like, um, it, it's not. I don't feel it ever really escaped Japan very much. Like, mm. uh, I think it has had some Western releases, but it was very niche. I think. Yeah. So I played them on the PS Vita. Just mm. downloaded the. Uh, uh, I don't even know, but um, one and two, one after the other. Um, that's very tactical, isn't it? But also yeah. just so many relationships to look mm. at. Mm. Um, and you characters can see why people collect. really enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and one other game within the tactics genre that I, I'd be remiss to talk about, and I've t- definitely talked about it on Playfair before, is Valkyria Chronicles, <laughs> which then takes almost sort of like the the tactic style and melds it with the, uh, the the kind of the action JRPG side of things with the way in which you have the tacticals of the view and the, the action based view of the game. And that also has the ability to sort of have friends and, and your party members sort of have relationships and stuff like that as well. And, and that adds a more cinematic flair to things with it being a little bit more engaged in terms of its 3d elements and the way in which the, the characters look, they're not sort of sprites like they often are in most of these sorts of games. And they are, you know, in a 3d environment, mm. they're very well voice acted and animated. And that then goes on sort of the, the, the last section of games that we want to talk about, which is the, the cinematic style of JRPGs. Yeah. This is sort of thinking about some of those more traditional games and sort of how some of them evolved, particularly um, like we've pulled out final fantasy 10, right. As a, as a real example of where, you started to go from quite open, non-linear, uh, text-heavy, traditional sort of JRPGs, and you're starting to move more into something that, as you say, is very cinematic, is very, like, telling a, a very sort of, like, close-knit story about the characters that are involved. Like, Final Fantasy X, you, I think, was the first one with voice acting, right? Yeah, um, I think so, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it was. like, you know, had proper cutscenes, and... It was it was very linear at a time when linear was kind of like a dirty word for RPGs. Yes, and that yeah. was sort of, you know, starting to, not even starting, but like was just generally frowned upon. Like the idea of having an RPG like Final Fantasy where like there's one direction to go, you know, there's one arrow to follow that's like go here next. Mm. Even though it did open up um, towards the end of the game, uh, it's... Yeah, it was really very like telling a story and there's a lot of those and and it's sort of definitely a much more modern genre, like later Final Fantasy games as well. Like I remember, Mm. in fact, the same linear whinging about, I think, was it? 13. 13, right? Yeah, that was the big one that people... Yeah, because like, I think that suffered because... I don't know. It was like so obvious, especially some yeah. of the like early footage and stuff I think like you're, that. You're really right that I think it's not necessary to have open world. You you sometimes you want a more linear experience mm. to tell a very specific story, right. and a very specific narrative that can be very much handcrafted with like almost like a film would be, you know. Yeah. But I think a lot of players of these styles of games want to feel like they're not being railroaded. Mm. Like they, you've got to do it more subtly. And unfortunately, I think Final Fantasy Thirteen fell foul of that. And it was a little bit too obnoxious yeah. with the, the corridoring effect of it. Yeah. I think maybe a little limitation of the hardware at the time as well, mm. in that it was very graphically intensive, but... Mm like not there wasn't quite enough power yet what was it ps3 right um Final yeah Fantasy 13. i think it's ps3 and xbox 360 like just not quite enough power there to have mm. sort of things that looked open but the game itself was linear like i'm thinking about mm. final fantasy 15 right where it's still mm. quite linear but 
everything is a lot more open, you know, yeah. and even there may be a, a narrative or like a direction to go in and it's like, do this thing now. And you're sort of following that along. The whole thing is just much more open feeling because they can make an, you know, a, a bigger world. So it's just not quite so bad. Mm. I'm not sure I'd argue that Final Fantasy 15 is linear, but... Yeah, I guess. I guess, I guess the idea it's is definitely like cinematic. Like a, yeah, yeah, it's like a story it wants to tell, but mm. now that the there's less technical limitations, you can have a more open world that you can explore, while mm. still having enough space and power within the game to give you those lovely animated, very choreographed cutscenes mm. and uh. voice acting, etc. So. I feel like this is probably the most like technically intensive genre of the JRPG, yeah. whereas before a lot of them relied upon that narrative to hide some of the limitations of like, they can't do too much outside of what they're giving you. Mm. Mm. Um, whereas like these games often take us some inspiration from say, so Western style RPGs, yeah. like you can feel sort of the influence of things like the Elder Scrolls series creeping mm. in or like the, tradi- the old the school Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You know, and you can see these sort of bleeding into some of these like more modern cinematic style JRPG games mm. that have that heavy voice acting. Um, they're all mo-capped, you know, they have very specific stories they want to tell, but they're still giving you the illusion of side questing and, and you know, areas to explore, yeah. even if they don't really want you to go there necessarily, they're still giving it to you. Yeah. I mean, I think almost like the best example, in my opinion, of that is the Final Fantasy VII remake. It's... Mm split into chapters for on the thing um so it's to me it seems very linear there are side quests but like you said they seem sort of in there like it's not the the main thing is um mm. it's not meant to be open world you are following a story and um there are just some extra bits you can do along the way um yeah. but yeah that's very cinematic and that was a little bit of a it was difficult line to tread for them because a lot of JRPG fans wanted the more traditional sort of like JRPG style of like side questing and item collection and exploration. But then I think with these games, particularly because they had relatively high budgets, they needed to sell to more than just that niche crowd. So they were often advertised sort of just these big games on the consoles at the time that they were doing like the PS2, Xbox, GameCube and Plus era. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people were maybe misled by that linear style, but it wasn't necessarily that AAA experience you'd come to expect at that point. From things like, I'm thinking games like um, Last of Us, for example, and Naughty Mm. Dog sort of games, and and some of the bigger uh, studios making these more cinematic experiences. Mm. Mm. And that kind of caps off most of the, the styles of JRPGs, because... I feel like oftentimes some games have their, you know, roots in m- many of these subgenres. You know, you can have a cinematic tactics game, for example, or you can have a more classic style with a monster collection element of things, etc. Um, and there's the whole host of games that have also been influenced by these directly. Uh, for example, like we talked about the Souls games is a weird one too. Like it has its own one there. Um, it has its own subgenre from the subgenre it originally came yeah, from. It's interesting that like, I think when we were doing this research something that i spotted is like so many of these subgenres it's the series itself that will be a subgenre like if you think about something mm. like pokemon it's like all of the pokemon games there's so many pokemon games that that is a genre in and of itself mm-hmm. right like pokemon is yes, a genre yeah. and 
souls is a genre and kingdom hearts is a genre final fantasy is a genre like in a way it's almost like mm. yeah that some of these it's it's amazing to think how big some of these games are and like how many games mm. there have been for each of these sometimes so many that you're like that's just like a type of game in and of itself um mm. you know and some of the other ones that we haven't mentioned we touched a little bit on persona and and um Shin Megami tensei which is definitely like its own genre also like monster hunter you know which we haven't mm-hmm. talked about you yeah. know like mon- there is yeah. there is only monster hunter it is like it is its own and monster hunter it has its own sort of like influences on on mmos and mmos have an re- influence on those mm. too and you can feel how they're all sort of feeding from one another. Like Monster Hunter is basically just the best bits of MMOs for the raids put into the game itself and mm. that's it, you know? <laughs> but you can still feel its JRPG roots. Yeah. Sorry, I was I was just going to um, argue with you there about <laughs> about um there is only Monster Hunter. It's the main one, obviously, and there's loads of them, but there have recently, interestingly enough, been some sort of um for want of a better word, it sounds really disrespectful, but sort of like copycat games like Dauntless mm. and um, there's something else. Um, it is sort of becoming a type of game I guess, in yeah. itself. Mm. I like guess that's boss, my point. Like a it's, game full of boss battles. Yeah, I guess that's my point. Like it's like Monster Hunter is a it's a game and also a genre, right? In mm. the sense yeah. that like like it's like literally invented something that's so much a yeah. in the same way that like you've got like Mario and Sonic, you would say are platformers, but you would never say it's like the Mario genre, right? Even though no. they sort of copy each other. But I feel like with these, I don't know if it's maybe that they have such a defined identity, like Pokemon and mm. Monster Hunter and Dark Souls. Like they're very, very strong, like strong identities. And I don't know, like that maybe mm. they're unique enough that it sort of feels like they're like genres, them, like the game themselves yeah. itself is the genre kind of thing. Yeah, because yeah, that's a very specific way of playing them that then other games try mm. to emulate. Yeah, and um, there's definitely um, elements of even Dark Souls in Monster Hunter mm. um, or vice versa. Monster Hunter came first, but the boss battles are so technically technically intensive yeah. for the player yeah. um like the the dodging the 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 combos and things like that it's just and all the like massive monster yeah telegraphed, chore- telegraphed, telegraphed moves. That's it, yeah. um yeah but yeah no the other one i was thinking of which i remember now is um tokiden tokiden that's also a monster hunter third mm. person monster hunting game um groups of players and all that so yeah, but Monster Hunter is definitely the most successful one. And um, I mean, I'm hooked on it at the moment. Monster Hunter Rise. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think that kind of just goes to show that, like, this is why we didn't want to talk about, like, to say five or six specific games that we feel right. like JRPGs, because I don't think it's mm. possible to. So that's why we did, we've done it as we have, where we've more or less talked about the genres within the genre and the games that represent mm. those in particular. I think that's a, kind of a more comprehensive look at the JRPG genre as a whole. Yeah, um, but maybe we have missed a subgenre or a game. Oh, we definitely um, have. We definitely have. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have. Like, we didn't talk about dating sims or visual novels almost yes. at all, you know, for example. And that is definitely its own genre within the JRPG Very true. genre. Well, we've talked about it now. So if there's one still <laughs> that we haven't mentioned, even even now, then you should definitely let us know. Um, you can send us an email, show at octal.fm, subject line, 
can't believe you didn't talk about this JRPG. Um, <laughs> you can send us a tweet at OxalFM on Twitter, or you can come and flame us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash OxalFM. Just be aware that all of our information for this episode did come from Tony. So if oh you missed anything, yeah, it's definitely so actually, her fault. You can direct it directly to her. Um, no, I will, please I will don't. Just, no, I'll don't just pass at me. Them on. I'll just pass them on. It's fine. Don't at me. <laughs> well, we will do maybe a follow-up episode and Tony can come on and apologise how she <laughs> potentially forgot some very important yep. series. Um, but until that does eventually happen, uh, I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada. And I'm Tony. And catch us again for another Oxl FM very soon. Goodbye. <laughs> Farewell. <laughs> always, always have to have something at the end you every time. <laughs> Whenever I'm editing these episodes, it's always you who signs off with like a little quip. And I uh, and oh. catch. <laughs> Oh, you were going to sign off. I wasn't sure if you were going to sign off. Sign again. You just just say your thing and I'll... (laughs) Hang on. Let me get in the zone. What do I say? And I'm... Yeah. And sort of thinking about... um, No, I didn't have a segue. I thought I did, but I didn't. (laughs) Um, No, there isn't one. Sorry, <laughs> it's that monster. Um, Pokemon. Yeah, because I mean, games like uh, Hey, <laughs> that's going in the outtakes. <laughs> oh, it's awful. <laughs>